Welcome back to the Netflix Club podcast. I'm Tom. And I'm Noah. And uh, today we're going to talk about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, a film by Michelle uh, Michel Gondry. But first, we're going to get into some Netflix news. Um, and this is not necessarily related to Netflix, but it's an interesting thing about streaming services, particularly Amazon, is that originally, you know how they had uh, the Grand Tour? We kind of talked about it in the last episode, um, which was the... Net, which was Amazon re- doing Top Gear, but their own Top Gear with the three hosts, the three main hosts that were on Top Gear. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so originally they said that that was going to be $160 million. That's how much it was going to cost to buy it. Okay. Um, I, apparently it's only a 12-part series. I was unaware. I thought it was going to be a full show. Um, but they just been it's just been released that they actually paid about $250 million for that show. Dang. Which is insane to think of, but like... yeah. It's a quarter, yeah, a quarter of a billion dollars for a show. But I mean, it's a show that's really popular, and I'm get best. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. I'm <laughs> guessing that they're expecting it to bring a lot of people to the platform because of its huge um, uh, audience. So hopefully it does, because that's a lot of money yeah, for spend one on show. A, exactly. I can understand why they like didn't make as many episodes as they usually mm. would have. And. Uh, that's pretty much all we got for that kind of news, but uh, since December is coming, we have a lot of stuff coming to Netflix and a lot of stuff leaving Netflix in this next week. So I'll, I'll just run over a few of the uh, main big ones that people might recognize. Um, December 1st, we have Beverly Hills Cop coming to Netflix, uh, Black Snake Moan, Chill with Bob Ross Collection, Ooh. Uh, The Mighty Ducks 2. Yes. Uh, David Blaine's Street Magic, which I thought was already out, but uh, this has a list is coming out December first. Um, Harry and the Hendersons. Uh, it's a classic. It is a classic. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Also a classic. <laughs> House of Wax. Hannibal. Um, National Lampoon's Animal House. Uh, Picture Perfect. The Angry Birds movie from this year. Um, the Crucible, The Little Rascals, The Rock. Um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Uh, get out. Okay. I'm pretty sure Michael Bay did The Rock, but yeah. It's a, it's The with, Rock. With Dwayne? No. I'm pretty sure it's about a prison. I've never seen it. But. Oh, that's sad. I'm uh, not interested. Uh, December 2nd, we got some Netflix originals coming out that I haven't really heard much about. Um, Fauda or Fada Season 1, Hip Hop Evolution Season 1, and Pacific Heat Season 1. Actually, Pacific Heat is... Um, a show that is very similar to Archer okay. on FX. Uh, it's got like very similar animation style, and it's about like spies. So it's like oh, so it's not the sequel to Pacific Rim. No. Okay. All right. Get out. <laughs> uh, December third, uh, another Netflix original, Lost and Found Music Studio season two. Didn't even know there was a season one. Um, December fifth, Mad and the Good Neighbor, and December sixth, we have. Uh, Nothing really. There's some stuff coming out, but nothing that I've really heard of. Um, and then leaving. A lot of stuff leaving. 51st Dates, the Adam Sandler movie, uh, leaving December 1st. That one's actually not a bad Adam Sandler movie, if I'm being honest. It's kind of funny. Definitely I've, better than his... You I've never seen, seen it, no. It's, it's pretty got, good. It's got Drew Barrymore. It's kind of funny. Uh, oh, Drew Barrymore. Not a solid movie, like, but it's funny. It's good, better than a lot of his new stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. American Beauty, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's got Kevin Spacey. Excuse me. As like the lead guy, um, one Oscar for best picture. It's fantastic. You should definitely um, watch that before it leaves. Um, Camp Dakota, um, which is a YouTube 
Blackbird yeah. movie, which used to be on Netflix. So that, or this is leaving. I'm confused. Uh, yeah, that's leaving. That's a solid movie. Definitely. I feel like it's definitely opened the door for more YouTubers to be on the platform of TV and stuff. Like when you have um, Miranda Sings with her new show that just came out. Um, I think it's a, it's a solid movie. Definitely check that out if you have a chance. Um, Event Horizon, which we talked about a few episodes ago. Um, Veggie Tales, the Pirates Who Don't Know Anything. Oh man. Uh, Thor: Hammer of the Gods. Which I don't know if that's going to be about Marvel comic store or actual. It sounds like it's like a like a B movie or something. I was going to say it's either going to be or, Marvel or, comics or, movie or like uh, you talking about B movie. Yeah. No. Oh no. <laughs> um, you saw that <laughs> seven minute video where it's like the B movie, but every time they say B, they speed it up, right? Yeah, we watched it last night. That was solid video. Fantastic. Go look that up. Uh, You'll enjoy yourself. <laughs> So I, I'm thinking that's either going to be a Marvel Comics movie. If it is, I'll watch it. And if it's, if it's, it's not, other that, it's going to be a History Channel show or something that is not good. And I will not watch it in that case. Uh, if they got the dude from Ancient Aliens in there, I mean, I'll watch it. Uh, also, The In-Laws, He's my Top Gun. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> uh, and then, oh, look at this, Holes, the movie we talked about last week. Uh, that is leaving December 5th. And then December... Oh, never mind. That's too far ahead. But yeah, that's Holes is leaving December 5th. Um, and so, yeah, that's pretty much it for what's coming in and out of Netflix this week. Well, a um, uh, quick thing. It was just recently announced that uh, on December 25th, Christmas Day, uh, Captain America Civil War is going to be put onto Netflix. Kind of cool. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to that. I'm kind of excited that they're getting more like current movies I want to say like really recent movies because normally they'll get like movies from like a year or two ago they were like kind of big and now they're getting like Jungle Book um, the Angry Birds movie they're gonna get this movie and it's a lot of it's because of Disney I don't think Disney was worked on the Disney worked on the Angry Birds movie but they definitely did you know Civil War and the Jungle Book so I'm really excited to see all that and also there was that deal that was mentioned like a while ago that uh, they're gonna start getting all the Star Wars movies onto Netflix yeah Speaking of that sort of thing, did you hear the rumor that uh, Disney might be thinking of acquiring Netflix, like buying them out? I did see that. Yeah. Uh, I think that'd be really cool if you got like a lot of, if that was then expedite the process in which Disney movies, not specifically like the musicals and that kind of stuff, but just like Disney branded movies or movies that Disney produces, you know, like the Marvel movies, if it expedites the process for those to get onto Netflix, I'd be totally for it. Same. Uh, I'm like slightly cautious about it, like similar to the whole uh, AT&T buying Time Warner thing with the Warner Brothers and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I'm not sure how I feel about all that, but it's certainly interesting for sure. I mean, Disney, I, I trust them enough. Like, they own a lot of things and it's like they're kind of like that big, scary company. But I trust them enough to make good movies and kind of run a good company, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um. So... Yeah, that's about it for Netflix news. Um, we're going to take a small break. We'll be back with you in a minute. Hey, guys, if you're liking this podcast and others, always check us out on iTunes or SoundCloud where you can download and listen to us and stream us live. You can also check us out at cm-life.com. Be sure to check out our Facebook and our Twitter for more information on podcasts and other entertainment on campus. And we're back. All right, we're going to get into Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind now. Um, Noah, do you want to talk a little bit about, 
a little bit about what the movie is about. Yeah, the movie uh, centers around uh, Joel Barish, who's played by Jim Carrey, and his girlfriend Clementine, played by Kate Winslet. Uh, pretty much what happens is they uh, they are kind of going through a rough time, and all of a sudden Joel uh, meets up with Clementine, and she doesn't remember who he is. And then Joel finds out that she has gone through a procedure in which... Uh, her memories of him have been wiped and then the movie kind of goes on from there and Joel ends up uh, doing the same procedure and there's a lot of stuff that goes on within Joel's mind and it's kind of like all about uh, their relationship and its ups and downs and Joel trying to trying to hold on to her as much as he can and it's it's a really it's a really good movie and something to know is that just because it has Jim Carrey and it even has like David Cross for a minute and they're typically comedic actors does not mean it's funny by any means. Oh no, this is like, a pretty like I would say I don't want to say it's a funny movie, but it definitely has parts. It's not by no means is it a comedy though. It's, oh no. It breaks your heart a little bit or a lot of bit. But like there, uh speaking of like actors, there's like there's so many like uh famous actors in this. Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, uh Tom Wilkinson, he's like a British actor. Uh, Elijah Wood, uh, Mark Ruffalo, uh, David Cross from, uh, shoot, I can't think of it. You know what I'm talking about? Alvin and the Chipmunks. Al- Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> uh, no, but he's not, he's in that show. I can't think, Arrested Development. He's in Arrested oh, yeah. Development. <laughs> Kirsten Dunst, you know, she's from Spider-Man. Uh, there's a couple more, but yeah, there's a lot of famous actors in this one and they're all fantastic. And they definitely... You know, with them, we can jump around a little bit, but like them working with uh, the writer and the director, it's no surprise this movie got nominated for two Oscars, one of which it won for Best Writing and Original Screenplay. Um, It's fantastic. And I got to say, previously, I said before I watched this again, because I've seen this movie twice now, um, that originally I didn't like this movie when I watched it, and I probably watched it like four or five years ago and I as I was watching it I was like you know what I remember exactly why I didn't like this movie and it was because the movie can be pretty confusing um to say the least like there's a lot of stuff you kind of have to think about really hard and I could see it as like I wouldn't say a little kid but as a younger person being lost and not liking that yeah because like you can't really be passive when you're watching this mm-hmm. movie there's a lot of stuff going on for sure and I think that also this movie I'll say, like, it's more of an experience than it is a film. Like, it definitely is an amazing film, but, like, there's so... You have to do, like you said, that you have to do so much thinking that it's more than just a movie and just that. Um, I think you could watch this movie... I think I could have finished it, started it again, and had either an identical experience as the, like, that time where I was just like, this is amazing. I can't believe this. this is incredible. Or I could have had an entirely new experience that was just as, like amazing like it's an incredible movie and there's so much like it definitely requires at least two watches because you watch the first time and then you kind of figure out what's happening i think to some extent second time you watch and with fully knowing what happens and i think it might make it better because you kind of understand what's happening but like it definitely requires multiple watches and i think every single time you watch it it'll be a new experience or like an equally amazing experience absolutely like the first time i'd watched this i uh got it as like a recommendation from my friend watched it and i was like blown away it's like one of my favorite movies honestly uh, uh and i watched it you know just the other night and like the experience was completely different like i picked up on a lot of 
things that I hadn't even thought about the first time I watched it. It's uh, there's definitely a lot of like things going on, and there's like a lot of layers to it, and mm-hmm. it's it was really well done. I think there are some incredible scenes in this movie because like it is at its core probably a, a romantic movie. Like yeah, absolutely. Um, but but it's are, not like you're you know like happy. You know, well, like uplifting. Not, or like, you know, even The Notebook is like, you know, one of those romantic movies that everybody talks about. But like, this movie isn't a romantic movie like every other before it because it has so many, so many cool effects that it does like in the movie um, and just cool scenes like because it's like takes place as Joel is getting his memory wiped um, of Clementine. And so there's they go. It's pretty much him trying to. I don't think there's too much of a spoiler. Well, we already kind of said it. Like, he's trying to hold on to yeah, it. Yeah, he's, he's trying to, like, not... He's, like, gets to the starts the procedure, and he's like, oh, no, I don't want to forget you anymore. And so, it like, there's so many cool scenes where, like, they do really cool effects that show how he's losing his memories of her. Like, there's a scene towards the end where they're um, at, like, the beach house, and the, the house is just, like, coming apart. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. But, like, it doesn't phase them because, like, it's a memory and not real life. And it's just an amazing-looking scene. And there's a scene where Clementine's, like, walking down the street and he's, like... And Joel's, like, following her in the car and he's, like, come back, come back, or whatever. And then a car just, like, falls from the sky. Yeah. It's, like, they do so many cool stuff that make it... um, Very, like, dreamlike and crazy. Absolutely. Another really funny, cool scene is the scene where Joel is like a four-year-old and he's under the table. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, that's a bizarre-looking scene because Jim Carrey plays himself as a kid, but he's also like an adult. Yeah. Like he's in a small... I don't know how to explain it without... Like, this is sort of spoilers, but it doesn't take away from the scene whatsoever. Like it's... His, it's his performance that makes that whole thing. I was going to say something interesting about that scene is that uh, the use of digital effects in that scene was like super limited. Because um, they had like and the, uh, throughout the whole movie yeah. you know, as a whole, they were super limited. Um, and it was a lot of like camera tricks and it was mm-hmm. really cool and like stuff with lighting. I was going to say though is that um, that scene that I was talking about, the kitchen scene, was actually filmed similarly. Similarly, is that a word? Yeah. Similar to how um, they filmed Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. Because he wasn't actually way taller than everybody else in the movie, and so they, oops, so they had to make him seem like larger than life. Yeah, and so that's like, kind of what they did. They did these weird camera tricks that like put him super close to the screen, kind or close to the camera, kind of, and put like Elijah Wood, who happens to be in Lord of the Rings too, like way farther back, but made it look real. And that's kind of what they did for this scene. It's super interesting looking and funny to see. Yeah, absolutely for sure. Um, you want to talk about the uh, the directing, or you want to go into your? Uh, I got some other like just interesting little tidbits. little tidbits about the movie. There was a lot of improvised um, stuff in the movie. Um, a lot of it was focused actually around Elijah Wood and Mark Ruffalo. And, really? Yep. And the scene where uh, they are Mark Ruffalo is dancing with Kirsten Dunst on the bed in like their underwear, or yeah, in their underwear, and they're like dancing around over the unconscious. Joel, who's losing his memories, that was entirely improvised. Really? Which seemed, and also answers a question, uh, Mark Ruffalo wears briefs. The more you know. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a, just a weird scene to be like, hey, what if we just took off all our clothes and started dancing on this unconscious man? They're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's, there's a, it's really interesting, and like a lot of these like, 
super like highly rated movies like this one or even we talked about goodwill hunting a lot of the like I don't want to say, I wouldn't say that's one of the most famous scenes in the movie or one of the most famous scenes in cinema. But like but a like, standout moment. But like, in a sense. there's a lot of these movies have like really strong elements of improv, improvise, improvisation. I don't yeah. know. How to, improvisation. Yeah, they have something. a lot of elements like that. Um, I think that's really interesting that when you kind of give them uh, the actors like some kind of free range, they actually create something maybe even better than what you thought or add something uh, unique and new to the movie. Another interesting tidbit is that Jim Carrey, who I honestly think outside of his comedic roles, like he does almost entirely comedic stuff. I mean, I really like him in Dumb and Dumber and Ace Ventura, but those are obviously very different than this kind of role. I think this is one of his best roles he's ever done, if I, not his best role ever. I agree. Absolutely. Um, and it's something interesting is that Nicolas Cage was considered um, – for to, the role for, before oh, Jim Carrey expressed interest. To be Joel? No. That I would think that would have I think that would have entirely changed the or changed the movie entirely, um, from every standpoint. Like Nicolas Cage has drawn drawn has done dramatic work in the past and it doesn't exactly work super well always. Like, you know, National Treasures are those are good movies. Mm-hmm. Um but those are not this kind of movie at all. And I think when you look at like Wicker Man or like Ghost Rider 2. Or like Face Off. I mean, those are action movies, but still, it's like he plays a character that's very himself and not a character. Yeah. And I don't think it would have worked for this movie at all. So I think, I don't know if Jim Carrey was the perfect fit, but thinking about it, I couldn't have thought of a better person. Exactly. Or, and like, it's kind of like a, a surprise. Like, you wouldn't think, like, he's been in some other stuff before that's kind of like different than his, like, his well-known roles like i mentioned like ace ventura and uh and dumb and dumber but like nothing that really highlighted how dramatic and uh outside of those and how much of an actor he really is i think i think this is a really good like pick but it's not definitely would have been something that i would have thought of like if i was uh michelle gondry i don't know if he does casting but i definitely wouldn't have thought about him yeah and like with uh jim like you completely buy him as this guy this like really like lonely dude who Jim Carrey. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, you know Jim. Like I was like, oh, you're on a first name basis with uh, Jim Carrey. Yeah, Got it. <laughs> we're friends. I mean, it's cool. Uh, but yeah, like you don't even think about like his other roles when you're watching this. Like you just think like, oh, this is like a really lonely dude who's like heartbroken and stuff. Like you don't even think about Ace Ventura or mm-hmm. The Grinch or you yeah, know, even that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah uh, that's I would say that. Yeah, the acting. I mean, we can jump a l- around a little bit, but like the For acting sure. definitely. It doesn't feel like there are a lot of movies that have like big name actors or like even small actors, and it feels like that's so and so playing so and so. It's not this character, and I feel like Kate Winslet, who was nominated for best leading actress, um, <laughs> I believe. Sorry. Um, she like they do such amazing jobs that you don't even think about. That's Kate Winslet. That's Jim Carrey. You like you said, you definitely think of that's this person. That's this person, and it's it's part of like the genius of the film is that everything is so like perfectly executed um from like every perspective i'm going talking about actors and um furthermore is that seth rogan uh auditioned for the role of patrick back in 2003 really which seems weird i think that wouldn't have worked as well patrick as much as uh elijah wood is liked right Yes. Okay. As much as people like, I mean, he's he was in the Lord of the Rings. I think he's liked at least a little bit. You know. Okay. Yeah. Um, as much as, <laughs> as much as, 
I thought people hated him in Lord of the Rings a little bit because he, Frodo was a whiny baby. Really? He wasn't that whiny. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Bit. We're not going into that. Uh, is that... I think a Seth Rogen playing this character, or even anyone else playing this character, wouldn't have had the same effect because Elijah Wood does a really good creepy guy. For sure. Creepy, weird guy. Um, and that's kind of what he plays in this movie, is that, like, without spoiling it, he plays a guy that's really weird and uh, borderline pervy. You could probably even go so far as to say that he is just a perv and a weirdo. For sure. Um and I don't think that's something Seth Rogen could have done, especially I, considering it was a much more dramatic role, wasn't comedic, and you don't really yeah. see Seth Rogen in dramatic roles. But uh, I think I if Seth Rogen were to do it, it would have been less dramatic, and it would have just been more weird. If that makes any I sense, I think if they had even with like his like laugh, you like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> I think even if they had a slight miscasting with many of the main characters, it would have changed the tone of the movie entirely. I think so too. Like I don't want to say it could easily become a comedy, but it could definitely easily not have the same um, vibe. Yeah, yeah. Just with like the slightest change, I think that like I said, I don't want to say this is the best movie of all time, but like there, yeah, it's amazing. Um, and the last little thing is that. This thing about the script, um, I'm going to say spoiler a little bit because this kind of goes into spoilers. It's that the original script featured a cut beginning and ending, or featured a cut beginning and ending sequence that took place in the future. Um, in the end, an older Clementine comes in to have the procedure done, and the look at her screen shows that she's had the procedure done multiple times, and all of them were for Joel. At the very end of the script, an older Joel calls Clementine and asks why she hasn't called, but the technicians performing the procedure erase his message. Other cuts in the original script include a montage of memories people wanted erased. This is the part I think is particularly heartbreaking that would have made the movie way sadder. Like, it's a sad movie, but, like, it's still romantic. Um, some of the cuts of... Or some of the... Mon- the cuts... The mo- I don't know. I can't speak. Some of the montage scene parts that were cut included a soldier seeing his dead friend on the battlefield and a girl who was raped as a like at a young age. Oh my gosh. And it's like, yeah, probably a good idea to cut those. Yeah, that's like like the movie's sad, but it's not dark and that's very dark. Yeah, that just would have made it like way more depressing than it already is. And furthermore, this is even a, a I wouldn't say darker, but it's another dark thing is that um, Mary finding out that this is also a spoiler. Mary finding out that um, Howard made her get an abortion after they had their affair um, and then she got her memory wiped because she wanted to forget that. Wow. Like, yeah, there's a lot of, like, dark stuff, and it's like, wow, that's... It would have been interesting to see those parts in the movie, to see how it was changed, but, like, but it definitely are... Just reading it, way darker vibe than it absolutely. needed. Um, so I want to ask you... You said, uh, we talked briefly about this yesterday, that the movie kind of had multiple interpretations to it, and I want to know what you interpreted from the movie. Like, in terms of, like, the uh, the opening and kind of the ending? Yeah. Because uh, I th- I, it's kind of a circular story, or it could be interpreted that way. Yeah, And this is going to be in heavy spoilers. I want to say that right now. Or it potentially could be heavy spoilers. So if you don't want to know about the movie, um, maybe tune out for like five minutes or so, and we'll get back to talking about other stuff. But yeah, like the movie kind of opens up uh, kind of at the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was saying to you that like I could you could view it as kind of like a, a circular thing where it's like a like a paradox almost where everything kind of keeps on happening over mm-hmm. and over again. I kind of like the scene <clears throat> kind of reminds me of the scene that they cut. Like I was talking about how she keeps going, getting her memory wiped and then they keep having to meet up. Yeah. And 
the reason I don't interpret, like, is that how you interpret it then? What? As, as like a... An uh, endless loop, kind of? Like, I think it could be, but I don't think that's the case with it. But see, like, I don't think it is because it. of the, kind of the ending with Mary taking all the tapes kind of shuts the business down. So I feel like that couldn't go on forever, or at least it could have gone on a bunch of other times. I mean, the age of it, though. So it can't go on forever unless it's some weird time loop thing. Yeah. But anyways, I feel like if they did it multiple times, then they wouldn't continue after this point, though, because the business is kind of shut down or, like, seemingly shut down. So I interpret it as, like, Tarantino style where he shows the beginning or the uh, at the, the, end beginning, of the beginning he shows the end um, and then he shows the entire story kind of leading up to that point and then he has the end um, is actually like after the beginning part so it like all makes sense and I kind of interpreted it that way but how did you interpret it again? Uh, pretty much the same way okay cool well good I'm glad we're <laughs> on the same page um, and then let's, so let's talk about directing or directors and the acting and writing a little bit well, we, we already kind of went over the acting, like, a little bit, but, like, I just... Uh, That's true. But uh, directing, this was directed by Michelle Gondry, who has a lot of, like, indie movies under his belt, um, but he doesn't exactly have a lot of good movies, I'll say. Like, he directed Green Hornet in, like, t- 2012, tw- 2011. Oh, yeah, he did. Um, and that movie was not great by any means. Like, that's the only, like, real... I guess mainstream thing that he's he's done. Oh yeah, aside from like this movie, I think. Yeah, like and that's so it's kind it. of weird to think. Uh, this was like his was it his first movie. You're looking at the thing right now, uh, or was it towards the beginning of his career? No, he had done other stuff. Okay, like, well, it's kind of weird to think that's like there are directors that like will stumble upon greatness sometimes, like you know what I mean? Yeah, like and then he, just kind of do nothing else. Like he just happened to make a great movie. I kind of feel like that's more the case than, mm-hmm. and I also feel like he was strongly aided by the fact that the script is phenomenal because it was written by Charlie Kaufman, who has a hat, has a, his niche or niche is writing these like, I don't want to say twisted in terms of like sick, but like warped movies. Like he did being John Malkovich he wrote um, ad- adaption or adaptation, and like those are kind of movies that like kind of bend reality or like make you think a lot more. And I feel like that is definitely like also aided um, Michelle Gondry. It kind of goes it goes to like you know they had the conversation recently about Tim Miller left Deadpool too, um, and everyone's like, is it going to be good? And you think well, maybe the script was just good, maybe it wasn't Tim Miller, or maybe it was like the actors that were good, maybe it wasn't just Tim Miller. So I feel like. Is probably Michelle Gondry probably did a really good job in this movie, like in his own sense as a director. But I feel like it definitely helps that the actors were solid, the writing was solid, and everything else in the movie was solid. So there wasn't a whole lot of areas where he could have made it a terrible movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I wouldn't say like uh, he did like a bad job at directing by any means. There's like yeah, it's not so many. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but like uh, like. The mu- the movie is like beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like all like there's like so many different shots. Like I couldn't you know come up with right now. But like the movie as a whole is like almost like a painting. I want to say it like it, oh, yeah. that makes I any sense. That. Yeah, it's it's really well done. I would say it's like so like surreal. It's 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 hard to describe. It's really really well. It's done. really something that you have to watch because us talking about it does it no justice at all. Because um, there's like so much more to the movie than this. Like we said, it's very like. Is emotive the right word? It really draws your emotions. Ah, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, 
and it really, like you said, very really makes you think. And it's, yeah, that you just have to watch it to understand. Like us, like I said, let's do talking about it like this doesn't know justice. It just we're just we're just talking about. We're it. just doing our best. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on uh, directing or writing uh, or even acting? Just that it's 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 really really well mm-hmm. done. So then that'll kind of wrap up our discussion about the movie itself. But my question for you is. If this procedure existed, this mind wipe procedure where you could just erase someone from your memory or let's say even something from your memory, would you do it? Do you think other people should do it if it if it were to exist? Or do you think it's kind of something that we shouldn't do or you would never do? Uh, it's probably something that we should never do. But at the same time, like, I think I might do it. What? Would you do it based on something that's you've thought already in your memory, or something you like? Maybe in the future, I would use it. Uh, and you have to talk about what you would erase. Yeah, but I'm kind of curious. Sure. Would you? Is it something that like you would erase now? Like you're like, yes, I would get this and erase that thing. Yeah, I think that definitely. Like, I would something I would erase now that's happened. You know, or like feelings and whatnot. And why do you think uh, we shouldn't do it as a society? Uh, just because like. I don't think they really uh, addressed it, but like the uh, like the uh, potential like side effects or whatever. Well, yeah, you know. Okay, I, I, I feel like there will be a lot to that, like to like be like just deleting, you know, areas of your brain or just like memories. I feel like that would have some sort of like negative implications. I just remember something I want to talk about the about the movie. Yeah, um, is that this is a spoiler when um, she's like freaking out. Uh, Clementine's like freaking out the real Clementine and the memory Clementine <clears throat> with Patrick is she freaking out because of Joel's memories and he's and she's like somehow interacting with him through his memories or is it because Patrick is saying all those like trigger words I think like it's because term? Patrick was saying those trigger words for sure okay and it, like I don't I think that kind of implies that it doesn't fully yeah. work especially that, if the emotions are strong enough and that's what I was gonna say is that well, I don't think that I would erase anything uh, myself. I think it's up to you, whoever wants to get it done, if they want to get it done. But yeah. I wouldn't recommend getting it done unless this procedure, this fake procedure, I should say, is perfected because, like you said, there's not perfect. And they uh, got to get better employees to yeah, do it. <laughs> for sure. Mark like, Ruffalo, while he's a good, fun guy, uh, definitely don't want to have to deal with naked people dancing on me as my memory gets wiped. Yeah, that just sounds like a bad time. And Elijah Wood yeah. doing what he did. Stealing her panties. Come on, Frodo. What, what are you doing? But yeah. Um, I think I would not get this done though. If No. Based on what um and it's not that's not to say I don't have like bad memories because everybody's got bad memories. But I think that my experiences as a whole, all of them, the good ones and the bad ones, really make me who I am today and and it kind of makes me think, if they were to erase my memories, would that change me as a person? Will I not have learned those lessons, or will I have just learned those lessons and just not know how I learned them? Yeah. I, so I think I think that's something that I wouldn't really stray into, but I think it's up to you. I think that our memories make us who we are in some sense, even the little ones. So I think they're important to keep. So I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't get this done. I would, I would agree with that. Like, it, they do make us who we are, but it's just like, it's kind of where you're at and like what you want to decide to do for sure. All right. Do you have any final thoughts on this movie? Uh, I would say, like, out of all the movies that we have, like, talked about on this podcast, I could not recommend this movie enough. Like, this one is, like, one of the best movies I've ever seen. Uh, I just want to wrap up with some um, 
some stats, I guess. Okay. This sits at an 8.3 out of 10 on IMDb, um, which makes it uh, the 87th best movie of all time. Um, and it really wasn't a huge uh, hit at the box office. Like, it made money. Its budget was $20 million, about. Um, opening weekend, it made $8.1 million, and then over and worldwide, it made $48.7 million. So it wasn't, like, a huge hit, but it definitely was, like, a really good movie. And that just goes to show how the good movie is, or, like, some of the best movies aren't necessarily the ones that make all the money. For sure. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely check this out on Netflix. It's about an hour and 40 minutes, so it's, you know, it's shorter than some of the, or hour 50 minutes. So it's not too long. Um, really good. And like I said, I'll say it again, us talking about it. Does not do it any justice. You justice. have to watch it yourself, experience it. It's brilliant and amazing. And so that'll wrap our discussion up about that. Do you want to uh, plug us on Twitter? Yeah, we have a Twitter account. It's at CMU underscore Netflix Club. Uh, you can re- recommend us movies or, hey, you can give us your opinions on uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or any of the other movies slash shows-ish that we talked about. Yeah. Uh, I want to throw one thing in there real quick uh, that we forgot to mention is that last week we said we were going to watch Snowpiercer, uh, the Chris Evans movie, but uh, we went to go watch it and it was not on Netflix anymore. Which is weird because it's been on there for a long time. It was on there, yeah. And it kind of, that's Netflix, like we've talked about Netflix's kind of downsizing their outside source catalog and increasing their, their original content. And so we just fell victim to that a little bit. Um, Sad violin music. <laughs> um, so we're sorry we didn't watch that movie. Uh, we're going to try to be more prepared uh, in the future. For sure. And you can be updated on all that stuff. So like we made a tweet saying we're going to figure it out. We figured it out. So that'll you can follow us on there and be updated about like all sorts of things. Uh, you can find us here on uh, SoundCloud and on iTunes and on the CM Life website. You can stream the podcast on all of those sites and uh next week we're going to be doing coming of age movies uh so stay tuned for that um i think that'll wrap it up for this episode of the netflix club podcast no any final thoughts have a nice day have hope your hope your week back from this uh long weekend is going pretty well i hope you're doing okay all right uh, i'm tom i'm noah and we'll see you next week see ya